3: These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. I don't necessarily
1: think it's a work in progress. I think, uh, I think there's some unknowns there. Um,
0: you know, Udo playing guard. Uh, you know, Cleveland's, Cleveland played there all
3: last year. Bradbury. Um, you know, Rashad's I actually watched... Um, What game was I was watching anyway Rashad's played a lot a lot of left tackle you know tackle in the past so um you know I I think it's a little bit
1: unknown but um I don't think it's it's a major concern we'll just you know
2: we'll have to find out they got some good rushers
0: has Mike Zimmer lost weight I think he fluctuates sometimes not by a lot but I, I think he definitely goes back and forth and I think he usually and this is pretty common to coaches I think he gains weight as the season goes on yeah, I you are stress, yeah. you stress, eat, you stress, drink. I mean, I know nothing about this. I am <laughs> my body's a temple. So, I mean, <laughs> just, I am, as you just, tell, just
3: constantly in a state of stress eating and stress uh, drinking. I am
0: at the health club every day. You know, I do the show health club. But, uh, yeah, I believe that he probably gains weight as a season.
3: It, it, it just feels like out, outside of like Cliff Kingsbury and maybe <laughs> Sean McVay, although Sean McVay is going to get fat at some point, yep. too. All right. You can't. Yeah, I, yeah, he's chunkier now. He looks a little, but I don't he's think he's fat, fat but uh, no. he's definitely no, he's not fat. He probably entered with like a little, you know, a, a shallow six pack when he took that job. Just yeah. a shallow six pack. Shallow six pack. Just like pack. upper abs, just like a, like a yeah. baby abs or two up top. Yeah, just a couple shallow, of I know that game. Shallow six yeah. pack.
0: <laughs> I've, ne- I've never seen a pack of any sort in my midsection. Uh, just a keg, a keg of surly. Yeah, a keg, um, exactly.
3: So this is Mackie and Judd daily Minnesota sports entertainment. We just want championships. That's all we ask for around here. We're raising the bar and the expectations for these Minnesota sports teams. And boys, I was on our good friend Ross Brendel, who's coming back to Score North and Hubbard yeah. starting next week. He's going to be doing a lot of work, helping out Garage Logic and helping out some of the stuff we're doing at Score and some of the other stations. Uh, and he has his own podcast, a weekly podcast called Minnesota Sports Chat. Cheap plug, he had Jesse Ventura like two months ago on this podcast. He's getting, he's getting A-listers like Jesse Ventura and Phil Mackey. It's just crazy, the guest that he's pulling on this podcast. Um, but he asked me a question a couple weeks ago about Mike Zimmer and a comp that he came up with. He said, I think Mike Zimmer is sort of Tom Coughlin before Tom Coughlin and the Giants won the Super Bowl in 2007. And uh, we talked about a little bit, but I did some digging on this last night so I could present it to you guys. The similarities are really interesting leading up to Tom Coughlin's sort of come-to-Jesus evolution going into 2007. So both guys are grizzled, red-assed Bill Parcells disciples. Uh, Mike Zimmer's first seven years as a head coach, 64 wins. Tom Coughlin's first seven years, 62 wins. Mm-hmm. So both averaging right around nine wins per season uh, in their first handful of years, both made it as far as conference title games, but couldn't quite get over that last hump. I would say they both physically look like they've been frostbitten <laughs> for the last twenty five years. Yeah, that, yes,
0: life has taken its toll. I think that's a very good assessment. Was
3: Was Mike also at that NFC Championship game in two thousand seven at Lambeau Field? Is that why his cheeks are so red?
0: I think Mike take I think Mike might take more precautions than Coughlin did. Because right Coughlin fair. took zero in that game. No, because that's you, when you're a tough football guy coach. Uh, football it's football.
3: 25 below windshield. Football. You do not take football. Uh, both guys are very hard on their players and are willing to call guys out publicly, rub people the wrong way behind the scenes, and uh, maybe even alienate people, and that's just sort of their style. Uh, also, so Mike Zimmer is 65 years old, headed into what I think we can all agree is a crossroads season for him this is a big year he needs to produce this season or he's not guaranteed to ever be a head coach again in the NFL. Tom Coughlin was in his early 60s when the ownership of the Giants almost fired him going into 2007. It was like a, it was a uh, I think it was all throughout the month of January. It was just like he's going to get fired. No, he's not. And all throughout that time period, ownership and pl- this is this is the this is sort of the fork in the road difference. Tom Coughlin almost got fired. And then ownership Front office and select players approached him and said, dude, you're a genius, but you need to change this, this, and this. And for Coughlin, it was more about the way he treated people. He needed to build better relationships. Um, I think for Zimmer, it's probably more schematic. Coughlin was an offensive guru. Zimmer's a defensive guru, but, um, but Coughlin's entire career to that point had been good, not great. There's a come to Jesus moment where he's almost about, he's about to get fired. People in the organization come to him and said, dude, you need to change this, this, and this. And from that point forward, the Giants were great. Now, they, they only won 10 games in the regular season in 07, but obviously they buzzed out through the playoffs. They won two Super Bowls over the next four years. Um, the rest is history. The team gelled. Is Mike Zimmer capable of another level as a coach, like Tom Coughlin was? And if he is, what would it take to get him there? What, what would the Come to Jesus meeting be about? Who would be the ones that, I mean, what would that look like?
0: Well, I think part of the, the difference here is, so when Coughlin was approached by certain veteran players at that time on the Giants, I know it was Strahan, and I forget, it was it might have been Seahorn or somebody else, but he was approached and basically they said, dude, you've lost the team completely, and, and you will be fired unless you change your ways. And I do think that Tom Coughlin on the A-hole meter would beat Zimmer I, I think he I think he was i I I've never heard stories about like Mike going ballistic about guys being late for meetings and things like that and that was Coughlin like Coughlin was if, if you're if you know if you're not on time don't show up so I think there was a lot more old school just harsh Lombardi like which doesn't work now um the I old think junk,
3: it, like the junction boys
0: mindset yeah. he
3: used to he used to run the Jaguars into the ground at practice just yeah. you know
0: and you yeah. know it it was the old 1960s 70s no water breaks keep running i don't care how you feel uh the difference with mike i think is this i think it's i think it's harder to i think it would be harder to change mike because i because i don't think mike's like that i but mike has very low tolerance for certain things i.e. his quarterback um and so i think when we're talking about this it it would it would have to be almost certainly Defensive players, I think, and I mean, it's probably happened. Harrison Smith, right? Anthony Barr. I'm sure that that those guys talked to Mike, and they've probably gone at times and said, hey, you know, it would really help if you would adjust this or change this. But when it gets into sort of getting into the thread of who Mike is and what Mike believes about, let's say, quarterback play, offensive play, I don't know he's capable of adjusting those things by a lot. Because those are fundamental beliefs about football, not about how you treat people. But, I mean, Phil, this again comes back to what we talked about a couple of of days ago, and this is what makes this so intriguing to me. If he had a quarterback he liked as a person, like if they gelled and got along, and I'm not saying that this would turn Mike into an offensive guru because he's a defensive guru, but if he had a quarterback he was far more tolerant of and that he liked and and that at least there seemed to be a relationship there because i mean flat out i don't think he has a relationship with kirk i think they tolerate each other at the very best um so i don't know that you can flip the switch you're talking about because in coughlin's case it was literally treat everybody better tom in mike's case i think it would be change the way that you think about certain things and also like with kirk treat you know you should like kirk more that's not going to happen at this point in time.
3: I think you, I think I agree with you in that it wouldn't be as much about, like I was reading a couple of articles from just New York media going back to 2007 and sort of those, like the look backs, like what changed for Tom Coughlin. And there were stories about how even his wife was telling him, you need to show your coworkers and your employees, your players, the way that you are as a grandfather, right? The way that you are around your grandkids and your family and, You know, not that he's like Mr. Gregarious, but he has a heart and a personality, and he's empathetic, and he showed none of those qualities to those players in 2007. Zimmer tends to lean a little that way with his players, but I don't think it's a crisis like it was with Tom Coughlin. I think you hit on the thing, which is Zimmer doesn't have. If you if you ranked the quarterback head coach relationships one through 32 throughout the NFL, Mm -hmm. you know Arians and Brady collaborating on a regular basis. McVay and Stafford texting each other at 3 o'clock in the morning, right? Like attached at the hip, because that's your most important player. I know that defense is the thing that Zimmer has made his career off of, but yes. your most important player is the starting quarterback, yeah. whether he's a, a perfect specimen like Patrick Mahomes or whether he was uh, a dumbfounded you know, young guy like Eli Manning was in 2007. You need to build a strong relationship with that guy, and I think that's the come-to-Jesus thing with Zimmer. And it might be that he resents the contract. He doesn't like Kirk's personality. I think lately he hates the fact that Kirk isn't vaccinated and it's, it's potentially going to affect the team. And there's all these things, right? And he, and he rarely goes out of his way to praise Kirk cousins. And when he does, it just kind of feels like obligatory. If he were to find a way to connect with cousins on a deeper level, which sounds maybe to him, like it's impossible. I think that could be the thing that takes the offense to another, but Zimmer would also have to be open-minded to not just want to play ball control offense. Like he would have to build a connection with Kirk and help Kirk get better when play action's gone, help Kirk get better when the game's on the line late in the fourth tolerant. quarter in prime time,
0: or at least just be, I think it has to be more than tolerant. I think that, I
3: think it has to be yeah. more of more than tolerance hey, look, for, it, for it to really click.
0: This is why, this is why the, the conversation when Mike is finally gone from the Vikings will always come back to Declan's guy. He had his guy, Teddy. Like, that was the guy that he wanted to trust. I think Teddy, I also think because of his skill set, it was perfect for what Mike wanted to see. Like, Kirk has a skill set that goes way outside of of just arm talent-wise, what lots of guys can do. But you've got to be, if you're the coach and you're going to coach Kirk Cousins, you've got to embrace that. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just such, this was such a bad shotgun marriage between two people who are very talented at what they do, but you put them together, and it's a bad fit, and and that's what, and look at the time I didn't see that, so I'm not I'm not trying to say well at the time I thought to myself it's I thought it was a good move, but when you see the flaws of the relationship and the lack of tolerance from both sides uh, for each other, and and that's the thing, Phil is is we've always talked about the fact the quarterback is the CEO, right? Well, the coach is the president. Like that relationship really needs to work now. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately for Zimmer, I think he thinks well, Parcells and Sims fought constantly. And I love Bill. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's true. But one, Sims didn't care. Like Sims was a tough sob. He, it's also a he, different era. He it's was like wired 40, 30 years he ago. He was wired tough. And you just said it. It's a different era completely. And people have changed. Like you've got to accept that. There, there are not i mean how, how many phil sims attitude quarterbacks exist now because people have changed it's different so all of these things i think have gelled to make this a less than ideal situation between two people who in who in what they do are very talented
3: and at the end of the day whether you're leading with defense or offense or you know whatever your general blueprint and roster looks like Most NFL games are coming down to the wire to some extent, whether it's coming down to the wire at 20 to 17 or whether it's coming down to the wire at 35 to 31. Mm -hmm. And it's a and it's a shootout. A lot of NFL games, especially when you get into the playoffs and it's about, you know, the, the best teams in the world against each other. You've got a lot of situations where you're down by five, you're down by nine or it's, you know, it's a tie game, whatever that is. And you need your head coach and your quarterback or your quarterback and whoever it is. That's the mastermind of the offense, right? Collaborating together to win those games. Yes. In Kansas city, you got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid collaborating in the week of preparation, collaborating in the game. Two of the great offensive minds and talents in, in modern NFL, right? You've got, you've got Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. Like, Well, you can't compare it. No, those are the like. If you want to win a Super Bowl, those are the that that is the gold standard right now. We're not talking about just getting into the playoffs. We're talking about winning a Super Bowl. And
0: yes, and and if you go back to last year in Tampa Bay, Bruce Arians and Brady for several weeks did not get along. They did not see their their ideas of what should work offensively were very different. But what happened? Bruce is a smart dude, and eventually he's like, okay, we got to, yeah, exactly right. We're too too good to allow my biases or your preferences to sway this away from the the goal. And that's the, the problem here. Like, I just don't see Mike and Kirk at the end of the day have one thing in common that's a real problem. They are both stubborn SOBs. I mean, look at Kirk. Kirk is a stubborn dude, and so is Mike. And so you really don't have this, hey, it's not ideal. We really don't like each other a ton, but we need to work together really well. Um, And and then if I may expand this, the other thing that I don't know at all about Coughlin, but I can tell you with Mike, is this one too. And this is what concerns me about Clint Kubiak calling plays. Mike's beliefs in what this team and what his team should do offensively don't allow for for the, the term that, you used phil which is you have to trust or empower your offensive guru and right now the vikings don't have one and i would go back to the last time that i felt that mike completely empowered a person completely was Shermer. he loved him and that's why that worked so well uh stefanski did a did a good job when he replaced de filippo but remember he had Gary Kubiak there to help him and Mike. And this is the most important thing. It's not that Stefanski couldn't call plays. It's that Mike trusted Gary. And so that he was the sounding board. He was the guy. I, I can only imagine the time is the Kubiak went into Mike and said, Mike, back off here. Like, like we know what we're doing. And because Kubiak's a veteran guy, he's like, okay, cool. I'll back off. Well, now you've got Clint who's 34, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it's Mike going to empower him to be like, you know what? You take this thing and you run with it. I mean, that's the, so, so I just feel like, like with Coughlin, it feels like it came down to, you have to change who you are personality wise a bit to win with Mike. I think it goes way deeper because personality wise, he's not ideal, but I think he's passable, but football wise, I think there's a lot of beliefs there that become a problem. And to your point about Clint Kubiak, you know, you know, go back to
3: the the co- the offensive mind guru or head coach quarterback combinations that you have to eventually slay across the league, right? Even Lafleur Rogers, you know, those guys are. That's a it's a weird relationship between Rogers and the front office, but it sounds like he's still very collaborative with Matt Lafleur. Those guys are putting their heads together and they're masterminding, and Arians and Brady and Andy Reid and Mahomes, and you have Kirk Cousins, and not Mike Zimmer. Mike Zimmer pops his head in once in a while but Mike Zimmer outsources the offensive coaching and scheming to a guy in Clint Kubiak who you said 34 years old. This dude was the wide receivers coach at Kansas 5 years ago. Yep. Not Kansas City. Kansas. Yep. One of the worst Power 5 football. No, I'm not trying to crap on his credentials. I there's a chance he might be a really good offensive coordinator, but I'm saying in a in a league where you're you're trying to you're trying to save jobs here. You're trying to win a Super Bowl, I would presume, and you're trying to slay all of these great quarterback and head coach offensive masterminds. And you're rolling the dice on a guy that has never done this before, and you're outsourcing it to him essentially
0: because you trust his, as a head coach.
3: Because you trust his dad, and because you don't trust yourself to be more involved in the offensive well, scheming you and have, planning, or you don't, you have, don't have time. In
0: it. You don't have time. Yeah, it's not you don't trust yourself. He trusts himself. He doesn't have time for it.
3: He could create time. Other coaches do. So you know. So
0: I feel like the I feel like the one common thread that I could say about Super Bowl championship teams, and some have been really really good, and some have been like, oh my god, they're a wild card team, and now they won a championship. I feel like the one consistent is this: by the time it all comes together and they play in that game, if it's a puzzle, the pieces of the puzzle fit. It might be a really really cool puzzle. It might not be, but the puzzle, but the puzzle fits. How often have you felt that the Vikings have a puzzle? And this is a difficult thing to do, but it's imperative that the pieces fit. So, so like defensively, I think they've done a good job of regrouping, and I think this defense, the pieces might fit. Um, but offensively, I always feel like it's a struggle, and it, they have Thielen and Jefferson and Cook, and those guys are great, and Kirk Cousins is pretty damn good too. But they can't block. <laughs> but they can't block, and and yeah. do and do the pieces of the puzzle fit though? Because the puzzle also has to involve the coaching philosophy, what you empower the people who are good at what they do to do because if you don't call the plays, you can't run them. Um and that's where I that's where I think a lot of the Zimmer years have fallen apart. It's like, well, this should work. Yeah, should work and will work are very different things. Yeah. Well, if if it is going to
3: work this year and if they are going to go on and Go from good to great and take that step and get to a Super Bowl for the first time in you know forty some odd years. It probably has to look a lot like the two thousand seven Giants. Like I don't think this team is going to run roughshod through the NFC. Their schedule is tough. They've got a bunch of in- like Anthony Barr's hurt, Christian Darius hurt. They're banged up in certain spots. Yep. Um, I I don't think it's going to be them winning thirteen or fourteen games and getting home field. Like it'll have to be like the two thousand seven Giants. Ten wins, nine, ten, eleven wins. Play a bunch of road playoff games. No first round bye, and it'll have to be led by your pass rush. Daniel Hunter has to be Michael Strahan, right? Like it'll be your pass rush and your front four, yep. maybe front five with Sheldon Richardson mixing in. Yeah, and and it'll have to be an offense that gets hot at the right time against four teams in January. Okay, February.
0: So, t- so if so, the second part. Tell me this: What's the confidence? That Not that the offense has the ability to get hot, because it's got the players to get hot. But what's the confidence uh, that Kirk Kirk Cousins can put together an Eli Manning-like run? Because the one thing is, and look, Eli was very flawed at times, okay? So I'm not trying to say he's great. He's incredibly flawed at times. But the Super Bowl runs were damn impressive. What's your confidence that Kirk Cousins, you plop him into the playoffs and say, okay, we need you now, can do that? Well, not high, but if you
3: would have asked me the same question about Eli Manning about halfway through the 07 season or at the beginning of the 07 season. yep. And I think the Vikings took that team to town in like November of 2007. I'm pretty sure the, the Vikings in the the, vans, right? beat the breaks off the Giants a couple times. Yeah, I think Greenway era.
0: picked him off like twice. And yeah. Yeah. If you would have sure. asked me that
3: same question about Eli Manning before the 2007 season, I would have laughed. I would have said, what? Where's right. Is he flipping a switch? He's got, you know, he's just kind of got a ho hum personality. I think he led the league in interceptions a couple times around that mm-hmm. era too. He was just an interception machine. Mm-hmm. Kirk, Kirk can be an interception machine for like three weeks, right. but he's not for a season. He's never been like a season long interception machine. Right. So I, I, my confidence in Eli was zero, and then he proved everyone wrong. So I will, I will leave the door open for Kirk to because Kirk, I think, is a more talented quarterback in most aspects than Eli but yep. Eli had something in him where he could just sort of rise up, be Teflon, make big plays in big spots. Um Kirk hasn't shown that to this
0: point. But I mean that would be the that would be the piece of the puzzle that would have to come together for sure. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, so I agree Kirk Cousins is a more talented uh quarterback, arm talent, et cetera, than Manning was or heck than like I think Flacco was Joe Flacco put together an incredible run but you know there was a lot of years where he was just meh okay um but I don't know if he's got the switch like we've have we ever I'm trying to think how many times have we even temporarily seen that switch get flipped there have been moments
3: we saw it on that pass to Thielen against the Saints in the playoffs that was the switch like that's Season on the line, you're yep. on the road, you're playing one of the best teams in the NFL, and he drops a dime 42 yards over the shoulder. Like, yep. that throw. But can you do it? It's it's one thing to do it in a game. And, you know, we celebrate the game. Oh, my God, Kirk did it finally. But, yeah, they won a playoff game. That's awesome. You got to win four. <laughs> you know? Right. You, you can't go out then and have your team get completely bowled over by the Niners the next week. Like, And it's not just on Kirk that they lost that Niners game, but... You know, you got to rise up more than one week in the playoffs. Yes, absolutely. So that was a good little deep dive. Football. Into... In but I like the comps as far
0: as crusty old football coaches go. That's a good one.
3: <laughs> yeah. So ha- hat tip to uh, nice Ross Brenner. Work, Ross Brenner. Inspiration. There. Glad to have you back. So we're gonna we're gonna take a moment here, collect ourselves, and then uh, get ready for write that down and an accountability session where we admit that we were wrong. When are you guys gonna admit that you were wrong? Every Wednesday, Every Wednesday. Mackie <laughs> and John, Harold <Judd, Purple> Daily. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, most
3: sports talking heads make predictions, then hope you forget about how wrong they were. But not Mackie and Jod. Write this down. This is the big leagues, where we own our terrible predictions.
0: Write that
3: down. And keep track of each other's batting averages.
0: It's Write That Down. Write it down. You like writing things down. With Mackie and Jod.
3: Yep. Welcome in. To the riskiest segment in sports talk and entertainment. Where we put our reputations and careers on the line by keeping track of our predictions. Nobody else would dare. Not Stephen A, Levitard, McAfee, all of the Titans in sports talk. Just try to brush all their predictions under the rug. I forget that I said that. I forget that I said that. The Ah."
0: bosses have mentioned casually in the hall, just whispers so far that the person who who finishes in last place might not be employed after Tampa. oh my gosh like that's oh just the no. cat I was walking by an open door oh. and I heard a conversation and i just heard Ooh. I just heard the last place <laughs> finisher might not survive
3: that's how we should do it we should put it should it, you know it should be like a loser really? leaves town situation yeah you get you don't get fired you get relegated to like whatever the minor leagues of score north <laughs> would be some might say Score North is a minor league, yeah. so maybe we're maybe we're already in the minor leagues. I don't know. Uh, but this is Write That Down on Mackie and Judd, where we make predictions, hold each other accountable with batting averages and home runs. Here's how it works. Three predictions each week from everybody. They must be quantifiable. If you guys want to participate as listeners, like Sam is about to for the first time, you can hit us up either through the Score North app. Just tap on the feedback link at the bottom of the Score North app and send us a message. Or you can just slide into Declan's DMs on Twitter or Instagram. Yep. And we can get you scheduled that way. Uh, before we get to the accountability session, a shout-out to our friends at Federated Mutual Insurance Company. They have been helping business owners for over 100 years in the Twin Cities. You can check out all of the risk management resources and tools and people that can help you at Federated at FederatedInsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Write this down. Are you ready? Judd Zolgad came into the week. With a four fifteen batting average. Just absolute Mike Trout levels of success here. Uh-oh. He had two things come off the board.
0: Oh, but write that down as a fickle, fickle
3: game. Yes. Jed, you said the Wild would acquire Christian Dvorak by January 2022. Seems unlikely now that he's been traded to Montreal. Yeah. Montreal. They
1: love their Arizona Coyotes. They traded for... Vax I think, a few years ago, and they, they made some other trades. They, they, it, it's uh, kind of like the Wild and the Buffalo Sabres from, uh, like, six years ago, and they kept trading for, <laughs> like, Chris Stewart and Matt Molson and all those guys.
3: The Sabres. The Sabres. Uh, the Twins, you said, will end their playoff losing streak this
0: season. Well, They are going to. Are they year older? Mm, no, they're not. No, they won't. They're, they're going to end it because they're not going to participate in the playoffs.
3: No, that would mean it would continue, I'm though. Kidding. Otherwise, we would leave it on the board. I'm joking. It's wrong. Yes. It is. All right. I said uh, Joe Ryan will throw no more than 85 pitches in his Twins debut and will strike out at least six batters. Well,
0: he struck out five and threw 89 pitches, so I was wrong. You know, there have been some. There were some really brutal beats yep. when it comes to Joe Ryan's debut. Yep.
3: Yeah, we'll get to another one. Yep.
0: Yep. <laughs> For sure. Bad beats, right there.
3: Uh, I said the Gophers would rush for at least 150 yards against Ohio State. They at least had that going for them. Listeners had nothing come off the board. Declan had a bunch of stuff come off the board, too. You said Mo Ibrahim will have at least 120 all-purpose yards against Ohio State. You said at least one of the following wrestlers will sign with AEW by the end of the year. Samoa Joe, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce, Mickie James, or Daniel Bryan, who debuted on yes. Sunday.
1: Yes. Yes.
3: With his real name, Brian Danielson. Danielson.
1: Big fan. Yes. Big yes. fan.
3: You said Joe Ryan will strike out at least six in his major league debut. He struck out five.
1: Look, I I have been, and I know Jake DePew, honestly, him and I might be handcuffed in the Joe Ryan fan club, which we're going to be talking with Jake later today. But I might just steer away from Joe Ryan predictions until at least 2022 because I'm just getting burned. I, I, I got burned on semantics last week. I got burned by one strikeout. I was at Maynard's watching this game. Last last Wednesday, and when he got pulled, I was furious. I, I had to ask for another beer because I was furious.
3: Dude, was he, yeah, they don't. With these young pitchers, Joe Ryan, Bailey yep. Ober, like Coming out. 90 pitches is like what 120 pitches used to be 10 years Joel ago. Joe Ryan start. Yeah. Uh, so wrong about that one. Declan, you did say Ben Simmons will be traded to the Wolves between last week and this week's. Write that down. Runs, Sometimes you miss. Still might happen at some point, yeah, but it, it did not happen last week. So with that, here are the updated standings. Judd Zulget, a 4.06 average leading the league, also has five home runs. I've got a 3.57 average and two home runs. Declan, 3.51 with two home runs. Listeners, 3.05 with six home runs, which leads the league. So everyone's having a pretty good season uh, across the board here. Judd, all time, we've been keeping stats meticulously since 2018. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> You have 179 career hits, 13 homers. I have 142 career hits, 12 homers. Listeners, 117 hits and 15 homers. Declan, 65 hits and four home runs. All right. Write it down. You like writing things down. So with that, let's get to the predictions this week. Bring in Sam, our guest listener predictor, making his debut on Write That Down. Uh, Sam, you are between college classes right now, I believe is what you told us. And so, uh, if we're keeping you from a high level education, we apologize in advance here.
2: No, no, you guys are all good. <laughs> all good. Don't have class till <laughs> three o'clock. So plenty of time. Nice, awesome. So, uh, time get some wrong predictions in here.
3: So we're going <laughs> to have Sam lead off over to Judd, back to Declan, and then uh, all rounded out three trips around the room. Sam, why don't you uh, start us off here with your first prediction, sir. Fire away.
2: Write it down. You like writing things down. Yeah, absolutely. I'll start off nice and simple today. Max Kepler will be traded before the Minnesota Twins opening day, 2022.
3: Man. Man.
0: I think you are correct. I think I might have that that one as well because I'm pretty sure he's gone. I'm pretty sure Max is going to be gone. What can you even really get for? He's
3: he's under contract, which on one hand could be oh, he's under team control for a while, but on the other hand, he's
0: been so bad. Mm. I just don't know what you're going to wind up getting from him, him. man. Yes, always happen. You got somebody who's going to say that contract. We can we can figure it out, and then they will, and then they will, and he'll hit three (laughs) oh six next year, and we'll all be like. See, the Twins can't identify talent correctly. Dude, he's a weird hitter, man. He's very like strange. He's,
3: he uh,
0: he hits a lot of pop-ups. I think that's his problem. Yeah, yeah. you could probably... Write stop. this down! All right,
3: Judd, your first
0: prediction of the week. Um, all right, in light of the broadcasting assignments that I saw for Vikings Bengals, I'm going to tell you to write this down. The Dude. Fox team of Chris Myers and Daryl Moose Johnston Will work at least four Vikings games <laughs> this season. So they're working their first one on Sunday. They will work at least three more. Well, there's so, th- the, the
3: two Lions games are guaranteed. So right. So
0: well, but I mean, no, because no, Lions games could get a worse team. I, I think is they there have, a worse team? I think they have lower team. I think Chris Myers has has ascended, and Daryl Johnston, who used to be on their, I think, number two team, has fallen. So oh, Daryl um, Johnston, like fifteen years ago,
3: was it, it? was Moose Goose and was it yes. Kenny?
0: that yeah. was that was the it was number two Moose, team. Moose and Kenny, and then I want to say Daryl Johnston might have worked with Brett Brenneman. There's yeah. a deep drive. I might never <laughs> work oh, again. There's a deep drive to left for Castle. Island. That's a three run <laughs> homer, and it's the Reds four to one. And my career might be over. So anyway, Myers and Johnston will work at least four Vikings games this season. Dex.
3: Okay. Actually, I've got the. I'm just pulling up here the 2021 Fox broadcast cruise. I just want to see.
0: Yeah. See who's below. I, I got to think there's at least a couple.
3: God, this is like a, just give me a list. It's like a full article here. Um, so let's see. You got the, the A team is the same. You got Buck and Aikman. You got uh, Kevin Burkhart with Greg Olson. This year. Yeah. He's new. And Pam Oliver. Nice. Okay. I feel like Pam Oliver short circuits like twice per season, where like her face gets frozen or something. She always has those viral moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, by the way, Todd McShay taking a taking a leave after his yeah. viral moment on Saturday. I hope I he's weird, doing alright. Situation. Right. Uh, Kenny Albert with Jonathan Vilma eh, this season. I like
1: Kenny. I don't know if I like Vilma.
3: And then we're also getting Kevin Kugler and Mark Sanchez as a partnership. Gus Johnson will work select games right. alongside Akib Talib, So that would like be that. kind of fun. Get some gus to this season. I like Jennings is gone, huh?
2: Write this down.
3: I Greg guess. Jennings is out of the mix this year? I guess. I don't know. Huh. don't know what his deal is. All right, Declan, your first prediction.
1: Uh, a couple parlays for me this week on Write That Down. I'll start with this first one. Uh, Tanner Morgan will throw for two touchdowns, 220 yards, and the Gophers will beat Miami, Ohio. So okay. Tanner Morgan. We'll throw for two touchdowns, at least two hundred and twenty yards, and the Gophers will beat Miami, Ohio. All right.
3: I like it. You guys are going to be there hosting a suite for Score North.
2: Write this down.
3: Drink responsibly. All right, back to Sam, your second prediction. Phil. Oh, I'm Phil, sorry. Right? God no, damn, no. I, s- I skipped myself, didn't I? You skipped yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gun shy. All right. I'm, I'm struggling. I don't want to See, make a perfect I'm going to take myself out of the lineup. Are you
0: forfeit the pick. Go right ahead.
3: All right. Speaking of Gophers football, write this down. I liked what I saw so much against Ohio State, and I and I know that Ibrahim's a big loss, but they've got guys who can step up. Offensive line can block. Write this down. The Gophers will start at least six and one. All right. So they they will win at least their next six games. Yep. Getting everyone all excited for a tough stretch to end it: Northwestern, Iowa, Indiana, Wisconsin, but. I and, and then you look at the schedule. I mean, Colorado's not a pushover, but Nebraska, right. Right this down. Purdue, there's just a lot of gettable games here. Big Ten's not great. All right, now back to Sam for his second prediction.
2: All right. So just like Phil and listener Joe last week, I've been indulging in the Wolves' Kool-Aid a little bit, <laughs> and uh, I think think we'll be a much-improved basketball team this year. So <laughs> I'm going with, write this down, the Wolves will finish by season's end Regular season end, the Wolves will finish no worse than ninth in the record column in the Western
3: Conference. Ooh, we'll yeah. sure so, play in yeah.
0: action. Sure, hold Get
3: into game so that we can Run play. You post- know what? We'll take it. Yes, we will. <laughs> Playing. Playing game, will take absolutely. It. Yeah, plan yeah. the parade, baby. Yeah, it'll I think be a if, much if,
2: improved season if that happens.
3: Let's definitely throw a parade up and down Hennepin if they make it to the playing game, win or lose. Let's plant our seats like Have our. You
0: seen the construction? We can't. Go up I know. And down Hennepin. <laughs> I, I know. They they can't
3: move. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> all right, so we'll, we'll pick another side street somewhere else. I guess. Uh, all right, back to uh, Judd Zolgad. Write this down. Your second prediction.
0: Okay, my theory has always been that one of the most replaceable positions in football is. Running back, especially when your offensive line is as deep and veteran as the Gophers have. So write this down: Gopher running back Trey Potts will rush for one thousand or more yards this season. Wow! Yeah, so, I was going to go there too. He's you... going to take over as the, I believe, as the lead back. He's next on the depth chart. I'm going to put him on a one thousand yard rushing season. That line is is veteran. It's a good line. I think they'll get a thousand yards.
3: Yeah, it's again. It's no disrespect to Ibrahim, but I think it's more about the offensive line than it is about the running back. Within reason, like you can't just have, you can't just have Judd back
0: there or me, but somebody who can run a little bit. You know, you should have seen me at twenty five, dude. I could have, I could have been (laughs) Max
3: Christian Okoye.
0: Yeah, exactly. Who were you? Earl Campbell. Okay, oh, people okay. grabbing so at your jersey. In my class, I could carry piles of my <laughs> classmates on my back, Leroy Horde. and not go down as I sh- streaked. I broke away to the end zone. Uh, was it who? Who was the guy from Mike Allstott, the
3: Buccaneers yeah. running back, fullback oh, yeah. from like the early Great 2000s, a, late nineties? Purdue. Yeah. He
0: was a pain in the ass. He's mm-hmm. good.
3: That's Judd in uh, junior <laughs> high. Neck roll. All right, Declan, your second prediction here.
1: All right, a Minnesota Wild prediction. Marco Rossi will not dress in the Wild's regular season opener against the Ducks. Okay. So my thought here is he can still make the active roster or he could be a healthy scratch. <laughs> he could be on IR. But my point is I don't want him to lose it if he makes the roster but is is out on, on, on opening night. So Marco Rossi will not dress in the Wild's regular season opener against the Ducks.
2: Write this down.
3: All right. Uh, when is the, what's the date? Are we talking uh, mid-October?
1: Uh, early October, I believe. Yeah, uh, October something. They're oh, in that's Ca- coming up. So they're in California to kick off the season.
3: Dude, the hockey offseason, I know it's, it was a little bit of a weird schedule this year, but even in a normal year, hockey and basketball off season, the teams that make it to the Stanley Cup finals and the NBA finals literally yeah. get like a month and a half off before they have to work out for training camp. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. Just uh, shorten those seasons. All right, write this down. I'm going to go for a home run here because I only have two on the season. Daniil Hunter is back. Daniil Hunter will tally a strip sack in this game against the Bengals. Ooh. Write it down: a strip sack against the Bengals. Write this down. I think he's back, and people are sleeping on one of the best defensive players in the NFL because he was out last year. Mm-hmm. All right, Sam, your third and final prediction, sir.
2: Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a, I'm a senior up at St. John's in St. Cloud this fall, and I'd be I'd be kicking myself if I didn't get a Johnny prediction in here. So I've got a I've got a three-item parlay here this morning that uh, it's all about the Johnny football team. So, okay. first one. So here we go. Uh, got a big game against Bethel here in I think two weeks, uh, two or a week from this Saturday. So the Johnny football team will beat Bethel by at least ten points. Uh, they will go undefeated in the regular season, and they will win the Mayak Conference Championship.
3: There it is. Nice. A little Johnny parlay there from Sam uh, up in Declan's stomping grounds in and around... Uh st cloud but area Yeah,
1: at least has a football team to watch my my uh great right alma mater area. the st cloud state university cut its football program four years ago so um, you're
0: oh, folded sad. we're sorry about that deck yeah, really
1: like the football stadium's only like 18 years old it's like mm-hmm. one of the probably the one of the nicer football stadiums in the state outside of like u.s bank and tcf Dude, so, bank and it's just not what do they be, do with it I, now i don't know they put a dome over it in the winter they've done that for years um, big bar
0: uh, phil but yeah, it's make it a, yeah, make
1: it a huge open-air bar or something. I, I don't think that's yeah. a bad idea.
0: Yeah. I think loud kids
3: enjoy yeah. that. Uh, so Sam, since you've got this life-changing platform here on Mackie and Jez, is there anyone in your life you'd like to thank that brought you to this point?
2: Yeah, I just think uh, one of my best friends, Ben, since, uh, since first grade, we've been good buddies. And he's probably one of the most sports-knowledgeable dudes I know. And being able to go to him and keeps me up to date on my uh my sports stats and breaking news and that sort of thing so great dude to just go talk to and uh keep me up to date with with all things sports and then uh, i think just you guys too i mean you guys put out a great product day in and day out so keep up with the good work it's uh it's a great podcast so
3: thank you man thank you sam thanks to ben for uh being yeah. the sp- sports knowledge base that he is and we'll get you on again sometime right. sam thanks for hanging out with us dude talk to you later
2: absolutely yeah you guys have a good one
3: All right, that's the guest listener predictor Sam here on Write That Down. We make our
0: final lap around here. Judd Zolgat, your final prediction. All right. Nelson Cruz will have three or more postseason home runs for the Rays this year. Kind of
3: feels like that.
0: Nelson Cruz will hit three or more postseason home runs for the Rays. How would you guys feel if
3: if the Rays carried the, the, the Twins' vision was when they signed Nelson Cruz and when they brought him back, right? was young team, feisty, ready to win, need a veteran power hitter to take that lineup and clubhouse to the next level to win it all. That was the Twins' vision. Yep. If if the Rays carried through that vision with Nelson Cruz instead, how would you guys feel? I'd love it. I'd love I
0: He deserves well, it. Well,
3: I would love it on behalf of Nelson Cruz. Yeah. I would yeah. also feel amazingly jealous and yep. spiteful. Yeah, but the, yeah, yep.
0: No, but no, 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 but here's the difference. Uh, if I consider the rays and twins as franchises, as far as success to be close, I might, but the rays year after year after trading key guys continue to compete. Like, I feel like the rays, the rays have the recipe and the twins are like, well, we think we've got one. We found a recipe on the floor here. Let's try and cook this cake. And it sort of works, but then it's flat. So, like, I I don't see a big – I mean, the Rays do everything. I don't know how they do it, but they do. I mean, year after year, it feels like now they're super competitive. So, I'd say good for Cruz. He got to the right place. It's probably ultimately a good trade. The other thing I'm not sleeping on is – and I know this sounds crazy. I wonder if Cruz is back here next year. Which wouldn't be shocking. Yeah, it feels he, like he seems very, to love it here. Yeah. yeah, and they love him so much. I mean, it almost feels like, uh, hey, you know, we, we're going to g- give you a really good opportunity, potentially go to and win a World Series, and then we might sign you back for a year. I just have a weird feeling about it. Yeah, I think I if he that.
3: if if he wins the World Series, I think he could retire. If he doesn't win the World Series, I think he's going to want to sign with a team that can win the World Series next year. Yeah. Okay. Then so then I, so be, I think that would be my worry.
0: Then it wouldn't be here. <laughs>
3: <laughs> then mix what I just said. Right. Um, I don't know, I think just one more thought on this, and then we'll round up the predictions the it's it, your first instinct is well the, why don't the twins just hire someone from the Rays front office? They did. they <laughs> literally hired the guy that oversees pitching analytics for the Rays. They stole him two years ago. Yep. so maybe it just hasn't come to fruition yet maybe you know maybe there's still things percolating in the minor leagues that are going to pop up, maybe we're seeing it, right maybe. Maybe Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober and these guys are going to be this amazing generation of twins pitchers uh, driven by analytics and data and information. We haven't seen it manifest at the major level, but they they have stolen from the Rays' front office. So I guess we'll see. Write this down. All right, Declan, your final prediction.
1: All right, a primetime NFL football parlay for all Not the primetime games this weekend. Bucks beat the Saints. Rams beat the Bears. Ravens beat the Raiders. So okay. I'm just going gonna, gonna to put it all. I know all, and believe all I, uh, uh, the Ravens are on the road against the Raiders. Obviously, I believe the Bucks are favored at home against the Saints. The Rams are obviously favored against the Bears. Uh, but I will put it all in a parlay that still will say Bucs will beat the Saints. Rams beat the Bears. Ravens beat the Raiders.
3: What do we do with this one, Judd? Is this a home run? I mean, it's a three-team yeah. parlay. Yeah. I think it's a, probably a home run if it home hits.
0: Run. Home run if it hits.
3: We'll give you a home run. Most things that are three item parlays are going to be home runs on yeah. this show. Yeah. Unless it's just like w- everything is just a drastic the, favorite. The
1: Vikings have a first down. Dalvin Cook will rush for five yards, and Justin Jefferson will have a reception.
3: <laughs> I like it. Um, all right. My final prediction I'm going right to continue to try and pay off. Declan made a prediction earlier in the year that I would whiff on at least five Bachelor related predictions, the TV show. And I just I want to make sure that I'm giving, I'm taking enough swings here. I'm not, I don't want to shy away from the challenge. Sure. And so I will say I have not seen honor system here. I have not seen last night's episode yet. Me either. And I of of paradise and I have not read any spoilers about the rest of the season. So you're just going to have to trust me on this. I got you. So my prediction is grocery store Joe and Serena P will wind up as a couple when the show comes to a conclusion. Okay. So like the goal is you're supposed to leave the island as a couple, either engaged or as a couple they will leave the island, deciding to continue to see how things go at the very least as a couple.
0: Did, did you say grocery store Joe? Yeah, grocery he's store a legend, Joe.
3: Dude. Yeah, man, great. Just guy. a super nice guy from Chicago that used to own a grocery store, and now he's an Instagram influencer who does like food reviews and stuff. Yeah, I, I like grocery super store, nice yeah. guy,
1: very nice guy, I'm, very normal I'm, guy. I Want to have beers with him. I see, I You're see, shy my dude, guy, uh, introverted guy. I see yeah. my dude Greg and Andrew, and uh, I forget who else have been hanging out a lot too on Instagram. They've been flying back One, and forth a bunch and whatnot. Of nice guys.
3: Yeah, yeah, just t- just talking about how we'll to all, manipulate we'll women. Yeah, we'll, uh, get, we'll right all get we'll all get together.
1: I'll get together with them. We can all talk about gaslighting. It'd be a whole thing. It'd be really fun.
3: <laughs> the the gaslighting trio: God. Declan, Andrew, Greg. It'll be great. So uh, those are your predictions. Write that down and an accountability session. Judd still Judd with that four oh six batting average here late in the year, very Ted Williams like. We'll see what his strategy is uh, when we get to the purple daily edition. Of write that down. I have a major bone to pick with Judd. I can't wait. Now that we've tallied up last week's accountability session. I can't wait to
0: hear it. I see this. This is a very black and white thing. So, like, you might have a a bone to pick, but that just probably means I can't. Yeah.
3: I I just don't. I just like they say on The Bachelor and Bachelorette. Are you here for the right reasons? I'm not sure if Judd is here for the right reasons and doing things the right way. And write that down. There's a certain way to do things and write that down. Okay, professional. It's not things, how we do things.
0: Okay, professional things like write that that down. You do you do it by hook or crook. You don't. You're not there. <laughs> I, the only reason why I'm here. Play is the game the right way, old dad. No, no, no. You know what? You take your twins <laughs> philosophy circa 1995, and you can shove it. Because I am here. <laughs> I'm, on and Judd I'm on I'm on. I'm on steroids. I'm popping pills. I'm staying up late. <laughs> I'm doing greenies. Okay. I am playing day games after night games. I'm here to win.
1: I want Phil. I want you to take pull the Katie and just take a step back and tell Judd like Ie Thomas. Your bachelor predict your bachelor audition ends tonight. There's the door. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: Do you know what I, I am? Read. Write it down. You like writing things down. I'm the Ty Cobb. of Write that down. I played up, so no one likes you. Up. You're a racist. Like Georgia P. You're a terrible person. Everyone hates me. I'm not racist. But you may have murdered been. someone and
3: covered it up. <laughs> exactly sure. right. You
0: don't know. You don't know. I bring the unknown to write that down. Oh, God. All right.
3: So, all right. Well, that's a wrap on today's episode of Mackie and Judd. Stay tuned on the Purple Daily channel, wherever you find podcasts or a YouTube channel for a very controversial episode of uh, Write That Down. (laughs) And we're just a few days away from the Viking season.
0: Football.